Hi, everyone. Just a note. This podcast was recorded during the time that we were all sheltering in place due to the pandemic and prior to current world events. Welcome to The Awardist, the podcast from Entertainment Weekly that takes you inside this year's Emmy race with interviews, analysis, and more. I'm Sarah Rodman, executive editor at Entertainment Weekly. And I'm Kristen Baldwin, TV critic at Entertainment Weekly. And we're so ready to talk about TV because we're always ready to talk about TV. So, Kristen, I wanted to ask you, we've talked about uh, shows, we've talked about books. I want to know what shows that you've recently watched that people will be able to see when this is airing uh, that you love that are coming up. I, for instance, recently finished Quiz and it's excellent and everyone should watch it. Excellent. Oh my God. I can't wait to see that because I know you've raved about it and we love our, ourselves some Matthew McFit. Sorry, Matthew McFadgen. He's yes, we a do. delight. Okay. Well, two things. One thing is going to come as a shock to you, Sarah, because when I started it, I really hated it. And then I ended up watching all 10 episodes. So something is wrong with me. It is called Upload and it's on Amazon. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> and look, I am not saying it's good, and I'm making air quotes here. I'm just saying that it's it's got a lot of issues, but it's actually kind of silly and enjoyable in a like turn your brain off at the end of the day way. This is the show from Greg Daniels. It's on Amazon. It's about a guy who dies and gets uploaded into a sort of VR simulated heaven. Uh, there's also a murder mystery involved and, uh, the cigarette smoking man shows up, uh, as a different character, but, uh, for a while, anyway, I kept watching for, you know, how sometimes you watch and then you don't know why you're still watching and you just keep watching by the end. You're like, Hey, I just finished the season. Anyway, it was a good sort of turn your brain off show. So I would say, check that out if you haven't already and just go in with low expectations that I did. Low expectations is the watchword. So yes. what we're saying is watch quiz first because it's actually really good. <laughs> right. And then watch upload. Yeah, when you just need to decompress, watch upload. So today we are going to be talking about limited series and we are going to be talking about some fantastic shows. We're going to be talking about the actors and actresses in those limited series. And this has been really fertile ground in the last few years. And uh, one of my favorite shows this year was a limited series, HBO's Watchmen. And we are have interviews with two of its stars and two of our very favorite people, Regina King and Jean Smart. Ah. Exactly. Queens in their own right. And before we do that, though, we're going to go to our very own trusty quiz master slash podcast producer, Noah Everhart, who's going to see how well we know our TV trivia. Noah, how are you? I'm great. How's it going? So Good. well. All right, let's get right into it. In the category of Outstanding Actor in a Limited Series or Movie, Alan Rickman won the award in 1996. What role did he play? Alan Rickman. Hans Gruber, to all our diehard fans out there. Schiefstem Fenster, shoot the glass. (laughs) God, R.I.P. though, right? Can we just talk about Alan Rickman for a second and how fantastic he was? So freaking good. We love Alan Rickman. This is us stalling. Uh, I'm going to say a politician, Nixon. 
a <laughs> real life character. I'm going to say it's a British politician. And I'm going <laughs> to say it was uh, Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> You're both super close. He played Rasputin. <laughs> Now, of course, that you say that, I'm like, yes, I remember that. that. But, he, but he won. Did he have like a big, long beard? And I mean, I'm sure we probably watched it. But yeah. All right. Well, R.I.P. Alan. All right. On to the next question. Which actress has been nominated for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Limited Series or Movie the most times? She has also won the award the most times. She has won the award the most, and she has been nominated the most. This Why is so... aren't these multiple choice, first of all? Yes, they should be like, who wants to be a millionaire? I feel like it needs to be like a Laura Dern or a Nicole Kidman. Right. Like, it's probably a someone that we typically think of as a film actress. I'm just going to say a different Laura, Laura Linney. And I'm going to say Laura Dern, which I think is probably wrong because... Hmm. Maybe I should take that back. I'm going to take that back. Then can I take Laura Dern? <laughs> well, then I'll take Laura Linney. <laughs> is either one of us right? Or is either Laura correct? The answer is Helen Mirren. Oh, of course. Just all those seasons of Prime Suspect. Prime Suspect. Yes. Ugh. Which actually, in retrospect, when you think about it. Shouldn't have been a she, limited series. Exactly. Like she was playing the same character. But I guess those were like TV movies, right? Yeah. It wasn't like yeah. it was six or eight of them. So, yeah, that makes complete sense. All right, Dame Helen, good for you. It was very British today, Now I appreciate that. Well, it can often be a very British category. Yeah, it is a very British category. Although, when we take a look at last year's race, it was not British at all, I don't think. Uh, the winner of the Outstanding Actress in a limited series or TV movie last year was Michelle Williams playing Gwen Verdon and Fosse Verdon, which I think was absolutely the right call. Her competition included Amy Adams, for Sharp Objects, Patricia Arquette for Escape at Dianamara, Anjanue Ellis for When They See Us, Joey King for The Act, and Niecy Nash also for When They See Us. That was an incredibly competitive category last year. It really was. Year. My gosh. And I mean, I agree that there was no way anybody but Michelle Williams was going to win. Had anybody else had a chance, maybe it would have been Patricia Arquette, but she was also nominated, I believe, for The Act. So she... Uh, in a supporting category, I believe. So uh, I think Michelle Williams was great, but Patricia Arquette had a great year as well. She really did. She was so fantastic in that. If you all haven't seen Escape at Dannemora, you should definitely go back and check it out. It is a really, really wonderfully well done drama directed by Ben Stiller, of all people. Really smart, really interesting. And Benicio Del Toro, it's really excellent so in that category this year, there is also going to be very stiff competition, I believe. There are so many great female roles this year, which is not something that we often can I say. Know. Although that is becoming increasingly more common. And I think in terms of people that we feel confident are going to get nominated, the women from Little Fires Everywhere, Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington, Merritt Weaver for Unbelievable, which is another one I would highly recommend, Kate Blanchett for Mrs. America, and the girl who has my heart, Regina King 
for yeah. uh, Watchmen. I just feel like it's such an outstanding performance. But those are all really good choices for, I, and I bet you that's the category. Who else do you think is going to be in there, Kristen? I think you could possibly uh, slot in Caitlin Deaver, also from Unbelievable, um, and maybe Zoe Kazan from Plot Against America. I think if we didn't have both actresses from Little Fires uh, nominated, I think Carrie has the edge over Reese. In terms of like winners, I really think, I think what's going to happen is that Kate Blanchett is going to win for Mrs. America, where she plays Phyllis Schlafly, and Watchmen is going to win overall. Ooh, I think that's probably right. Kate Blanchett gives an incredible performance, as does Regina King, but I think they're going to want to award her in some way, and Watchmen will have another chance to take the big kahuna. But I mean, I think it's a race really between Regina and Kate Blanchett. Absolutely. Although I think that if I wanted to see somebody in there, going back to my aforementioned love of quiz, I would want to put Sean Clifford oh, in there. so good. I love her. The miniseries is about who wants to be a millionaire scandal in England in the early 2000s. And a couple is accused of cheating their way to the million dollar prize. And Sean Clifford plays the female half of that couple. And she's so excellent in this. She's so different from how she is in Fleabag. So I would love to see her sneak in there. And the film is premiering before the Emmy deadline. So it's possible that she could sneak in there. Do you have anybody on your wish list, Kristen? You know, in this category, we've named everybody, but in the supporting category, which we're not talking about on uh, at depth in this episode, I would say I really, 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 really want to see Jean Smart uh, get nominated for Watchmen. She played Agent Blake. Oh, she's so funny and badass and deadpan and, and just sexy. And she's really hot. sexy in it. Like not she's in a typically hot. sexy way, yeah. but like just really, she's loose and free in a way that we don't often see her play characters, yeah. even though she's swagger. always good. Yeah. Yes. So no, she's That's fantastic it. in this. And I really hope, uh, I think Watchmen's going to kind of be like the Game of Thrones this season that like fills up a lot of these categories. Right now, uh, Watchmen is, is the show to beat in this category. Absolutely. So we will move on to uh, the men in this category. Last year, as a refresher, our outstanding actor for a limited series or TV movie was Gerald Jerome. For When They See Us, his competition included Mahershala Ali for True Detective, Benicio Del Toro for Escape at Zanamar, Hugh Grant for A Very English Scandal, Jared Harris for Chernobyl, and Sam Rockwell for Fosse Verdon. Again, a very competitive category. Yeah, it really was. It was, you know, I mean, Gerald Jerome, his performance was incredible in When They See Us. He, you know, he was one of the exonerated five and he played his, he was the only one in the cast who played his character, his, his character from childhood to adulthood. And he's the one who spent the longest time in jail and ugh, just heartbreaking, but he, incredible performance and he totally, he deserved it. But yeah, wow. I mean, any one of those actors could have won and, it, you know, you wouldn't feel bad about it. Although I think in if memory serves from not having watched that entire season of True Detective, that might have been yeah. the Mahershala Ali, Ali won an Oscar. <laughs> so we're also going to nominate yes. him for an Emmy for this. Yeah. Not that he's not wonderful, which of course he is, but everyone else there. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like it is actually much less competitive this year. The people that we are sort of thinking of as front runners, Mark Ruffalo doing the showy playing twins thing. Oh, they love twins. They love <laughs> mental illness. 
That's how people win awards. <laughs> Hugh Jackman for Bad Education, Russell Crowe in The Loudest Voice. Although, honestly, I'm wondering if like The Shine is off of that one a little uh, bit or The Heat. I, I got The Shine, so. but The Heat is off I that one. So. It wasn't good. Aaron Paul for El Camino, the Breaking Bad sequel movie, which I think a lot of people really enjoyed. And I actually think that Jeremy Irons is m- more on the on the bubble in terms of lead actor. I wouldn't be surprised if he submitted himself in a supporting category because there really isn't a lead actor on that show. It's really Regina's show. That said, I mean, he does deliver an incredibly dramatic fart in Mm -hmm. one episode. And so, like, I don't know that uh, voters are going to be able to step away from that. It's true. It is an irresistible fart. And it is incredibly showy. I mean, it's so well-timed. I agree with you. It's not necessarily as jam-packed a category. I think the only other names we haven't mentioned who may pop up here, um, Andre Holland for The Eddie, which I have not watched, but people enjoy. And it's about jazz Ugh. and it's from Damien Chazelle. It's and about so, jazz and it's in France. Two things I don't want anything to do with. Although I love jazz. I've never been to France, so I might love that as well. Yeah. So check it out. The Eddie on Netflix. That's our great promo for it. <laughs> Maybe Chris Evans on from Defending Jacob simply because, I mean, he's decent in it. He's good in it, but it's Apple TV Plus and you know they will throw a boatload of money. And he's Captain America. And he's Captain America. And the only other one that maybe is a dark horse, and I didn't like this show, but I think it's because I'm old. Um, Paul Mescal from Normal People. He mm. plays one of the very sad and hot, horny people in that show. And people love that sad, hot, horny show. I haven't watched it yet. I need to get on the horny train, apparently. If you you like hot people looking sad and having sex, then this is your show. I feel like that's just my life, though. (laughs) (laughs) Who needs a show about it? The only person I would add to this list uh, for Outstanding Actor would be Jeremy Pope in Hollywood. That was a wildly uneven show that I enjoyed Mm. immensely. But he played Archie the Playwright screenwriter. And I thought he was excellent. He is somebody that has also been nominated for two Tony Awards previously. And he really is terrific on the show. And to dip into the supporting category, Dylan McDermott is so good in Hollywood. And again, the show is flawed, but his character, who's somewhat based on a real person, it just it gives him the juiciest thing that he's yes. had to do in a really long time. And he just bites into it with a gusto that is really enjoyable. He's hilarious and empathetic. And he's a gas station owner who's also a pimp. He's got a heart of gold. And like, unlike some of the other actors in the show, he always knows the right tone to take in his performance in a Ryan Murphy show. And he's he's having the greatest time. And he's delightful. I would also say in the supporting category, if I had a wish list, I would add Joe Mantello from Hollywood, who plays Dick yes, Samuels. He's incredibly so good. good. And then this is shocking for me to say, because I am not a fan of Big Bang Theory or basically anything this person is in. But Jim Parsons is incredible. And I mean, the only other supporting I would mention to throw in there is also from Watchmen, Tim Blake Nelson, who played Looking Glass. Yes. 
So good. So good. I could just go on and on about Watchmen all day, which coincidentally fits in perfectly with our (laughs) first interview and this episode. I got a chance to talk to Regina King, the Oscar and Emmy winning actress. She talked about this very complex role of playing Sister Knight, the blend of like butt kicking action and really complicated racial issues. And she has a great story about Don Johnson, which who doesn't enjoy that? We are so happy to be joined by Ms. Regina King, star of Watchmen, Oscar winner, Emmy winner. Regina King, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's so good to talk to you because I have 158,000 questions about Watchmen. Just 158,000. 158,000. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) We probably won't get to all of them. (laughs) But uh, first, I want to talk a little bit to you about the fan response, because I feel like you have been in a wide array of uh, projects over the course of your career that have been very successful, sitcoms, feature films, heavy dramas, light comedies. But I'm going to imagine that the response to this is pretty near the top in terms of people sort of stopping you on the street and saying, oh, my God, Watchmen. Yes, it is. It's up there. Boondocks and, and Southland, I mean, and uh, uh, Watchmen are, uh, I think, equivalent. That's, can we just talk about that for a second? Boondocks, Southland, and Watchmen. Those things could not be more different. Right. <laughs> but here's what they have in common. They all had something to say. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And so clearly that is an important element to you for a project. And I'm guessing you felt like Watchmen had something to say. I felt like Watchmen had something to say, but as I told you before, before I found out what it had to say, I was just in it because Damon said he wanted to do something with me again. So I was just like, oh yeah, whatever it is, just send it to me. (laughs) When Damon Lindelof calls, you pick up the phone. Kind of, that's that's kind of how it goes. Yeah. yeah, and that's good. And one of the things that I loved about the show is that it was there all along, right in front of us with the show poster. Your skin is tinted blue in this poster. And I feel like we all missed the big clue. And did you sort of recognize that right away when you saw the poster art that, oh, they're giving something away? Girl, no. It, I missed it too. Yes. Even though I was part of it for a year and living it, breathing it you know for me I was just so excited to be on the poster and and Damon really fought for my image being on the poster he felt like it should be me and no one else and so I think I was just so excited and caught up in just how hard Damon was going for me and I was just enraptured you know and I was more like look at that it's a woman and it says watch men so that was what was, you know, resonating for me when I and was a black woman at, at that, you know, so that was what was resonating for me when I saw the poster. And I'm going to be honest, Sarah, I guess I started looking at social media maybe an hour or so after the um, finale and started seeing the posts where people were like, oh, my God, it was right in front of our face. All the-. And I was like. Oh my God, it was right in front of our face the whole time. So it, it wasn't until the end for you either. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's terrible. But I got to tell the truth. 
No, me too. <laughs> and I'm like one of those nerdy people that gets into all like the details and tries to figure stuff out. So I think that's, that brings me so much joy. So what is your answer? Because I know you have to have been asked this so many times. Was Angela able to walk on the water? Is Angela, does Angela have Dr. Manhattan's powers now? You know what? I have to be honest. When I got the final episode, we were probably shooting episode six or seven, maybe. And so when I read it, I was like, oh my God, you guys are going to end it like that. That's brilliant. And Chris Cuevos is uh, our our A camera operator. And we've worked on three projects together. So he's kind of like a brother to me. He was on Southland. He was on Leftovers. So we, we've done some heavy uh, lifting together. And so he was like, are you ready to be naked and blue next season? And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, man, you know she's going to fall in that water. <laughs> so, so that that was my, my, my thought. I thought, you know, she, she was falling in. Interesting. So here's the thing. Damon has said fairly unequivocally for a period of time, that for right now, at least for him, there is no season two in this. But I feel like the suspicion is if he gets a brainstorm that perhaps somewhere down the road there could be, and but it might not necessarily be the same group of people in this time period. It might be more sort of anthological like American, American crime was. Would you be willing to show up in that world if in fact you are the new Dr. Manhattan? As an ancillary character. <laughs> right. Um, again, you know, if, if Damon is involved, I, I'm there because I know he subscribes to what's the point as a writer if you're not going to take a deep dive, you know, yeah. if you're not going to really just do the work. And he's experienced the pitfalls that you fall into mm. when, when, when you just do something because you're fulfilling a contract. So... Yes. I mean, even if it was just one episode, you see, I did it for leftovers, you know, came back for just exactly. one episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down. The big bang theory even. So yeah. like, Hey, yeah. <laughs> so I want to go back to some of, uh, just briefly for to a couple of the episodes, one, this extraordinary being and two, a God walks into a bar or a bar as the case may be mm-hmm. most brilliant episode title ever. Yeah. <laughs> These two episodes, the first where you uh, take the nostalgia pills and essentially become your grandfather, become Hooded Justice. And then the second where Dr. Manhattan is explaining that he does not experience time in a linear fashion and we sort of jump around in your relationship. And when you were reading these things and prepping for these things, like how hard was it actually just logistically to keep track of like where you were in the world? (laughs) Actually, you know, not that hard. What was hard was a God walks into uh, a bar. (laughs) The amount of dialogue and the camera just pretty much only being on me. Mm. That was just terrifying. Nicole, she directed that episode. And because I'm a a director as well, I think we have a shorthand Mm -hmm. and we have conversations, not just as a a director talking to an actor, but because I'm just always curious about her approach to something because I think she's so genius. You know, after Mm -hmm. my experience with her on American Crime, I just, you know, I think she's so brilliant. So, um, 
I was just curious what her approach was to that episode. And when she told me, I was like, Ugh! so I had, <laughs> I had the opportunity to deal with my fear before we actually got to that episode. This is a useful thing. Yes. Like preparation, y'all. You heard it here first. Yes. <laughs> Rehearsal and preparation is useful for when you're actually on screen. That's great. I wanted to ask, as the series went on, I mean, I think that you have an understanding from the response that you've gotten from the industry and the response that you get from the fans that there is esteem for you as an actor. But I'm curious about... How where this ranks from you as an acting challenge? Because I mean, you truly, I mean, there are some hot sex scenes. There's some high comedy. There's serious ass kicking superhero action. Like you really got to do everything here in a way that I'm not sure that I've seen you do before in one project. And so I'm right. curious how it ranks for you in terms of an acting challenge. As an audience member and an actor, it, 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 it ranks high, but as an actor, it's not the most challenging thing that I've done. I've done all of these things, but just in different projects. Mm -hmm. And it was more like, oh, yay, I get to do it all. You know, like as an actor, very seldom do you get to do all, everything. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. You get to do a little bit of comedy. You get to do a little bit of drama. You get to do a little bit of action. Playing myself 10 years before. And it was very important that she felt different 10 years ago than, than what, what she is now. And I, I think we, we all did a pretty good job at that. It was more that it was exciting. Mm. But challenging, the most challenging thing so far for me was seven seconds. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, having to be in yeah. that space that yeah. long just took so much out of me. That was a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can absolutely see that. I'm not saying that Watchmen was not challenging. Sure. I, I wouldn't rank it as, as high as seven seconds when it comes just to challenge, challenging your ability to stay the course. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, I think that's good to know. I mean, I think people think of challenge in that sense, but I love that you are so excited by this. And I just, I just want to ask about one of your castmates because the stuff that you did with Gene Smart was so, so good. And I, had you all worked together before? We had not worked together, but we had it, we have admired each other for years. We had never met each other. Um, but, you know, when you are a fan of someone else's work or talent, the thing that you hope for is, gosh, I hope they are not an asshole. Yes. We don't want the life to be sucked out of the the blessing that we've been given for our hobby to be our career, you know? Right. And then two, as a fan, you don't want the, the, the dream of someone that you think is so talented and so great to just be smushed because they're an asshole. Yes. We met each other and it was in the makeup trailer the first time. And we were like, Oh yes. This is going to be fun. <laughs> I love it. She is so delightful. Oh, my gosh. She is delightful. She makes the best cookies. Oh, all right. Excellent. Yeah. We're, we're going to have to ask her about that. All right. Before I let you go, one last question. And this, I was taken aback a little bit about how moved I was by this. But this idea 
and that you lived through it in that sixth episode, This Extraordinary Being, that in this world, the first superhero was a Black man. That Hood of Justice was a Black man. And that there's a level on which that I think people might dismiss that as being frivolous and unimportant. It's like superheroes, you know, whatever. But if that's, if superheroes are part of our cultural currency and representation matters, I found it really moving that the first superhero was a black man. And I thought to myself, it's really moving that Damon made that choice. Mm -hmm. And then the choice beyond that to put the white around his eyes so people would not know. Mm -hmm. It speaks volumes sort of to the way that the black community has operated in Mm -hmm. the world. And I'm, and I'm curious what your response to that was. And if you feel like, I know we get careful around the idea of calling things on TV important, but I Mm -hmm. think it's important. And if how you sort of reacted to that and do you feel it's important? Oh, absolutely. I think it's, it's powerful. Um, It challenges a lot of um, revisionist history even if you weren't to agree with certain things in in history, logic, because of geography and things like that, tell us otherwise. And I just felt like Damon, and I will say the writers, because Damon will be the first to say that that this is the writing team mm-hmm. that that they they got in there and they had some serious debates and will being the first superhero is kind of a metaphor for just how black people have been regarded, how black people have had to move um, so that they can continue to exist throughout all of history that we know, you know, you still have majority of the Jesuses on every wall are white with, you know, straight hair geographically. That's impossible. Yep. I think that will represents a Jesus, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's so layered. It is so powerful. It challenges every thought that comes up when you say, this is where we're from. My son always says, 23 and me and all of those things are so popular because people they want to know what cut they have. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and we all have some. Yes, we all have some. And it's so important. And it was, again, so moving to me to watch this. To, it's fictional history, but it is, as you said, metaphorical to rewrite history in a way to say we were there. We were interested in justice, even though we were not given justice so often so much of the time, which is sadly still true. But I feel like shows like this, they can seep in and people can start talking and in the smallest way, maybe they can open eyes. That might be naive of me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, I I think uh, in the smallest ways they can open eyes and sometimes, you know, people's eyes are being open and they don't even realize it. And I think that that's actually the most powerful when you have that moment, when you're in a conversation before you know it, you're referencing a watchman and like, Oh, wow. As I'm referencing it, I'm, I'm making a connection right now in this moment. That's the thing. That's the beauty for me, for watchmen, especially that so many people got to watch it and they were just entertained. You know, some of those real hardcore watchmen fans that read the uh, comic book, they were just truly entertained. 
And that's really great because, you know, if you are walking away from it, just truly entertain, you probably got even more from it than what, what you thought as you were just being entertained. Exactly. It's more than you realize. And yeah. so thank you so much for your time. Before I let you go, how often was Don Johnson singing around the set? Oh, I'm going to tell you a secret. Tell me a secret. I love that scene. I love that moment. I love seeing Don that way. It just reminds of us just how charming Don Johnson is, you know? Most people who are big Don Johnson fans knows that, you know, he can sing and he, you know, had a band and all of that. Uh, but he was actually nervous doing that. Really? He was. Yeah, I told on you, Don. <laughs> but I it was it. so cute. Um, he, you know, he was just kind of like, you're only going to get one of these out of me. Of course, he did it like four or five times, but it just was so charming. And, and him being nervous, I think, even added to the charm even more. And it yeah. just, it threw, it threw everyone off. No one saw that after you see that scene and how we're all charmed at that dinner table, no one saw uh, that coming. Well, that's the beauty of the show. I I was just like, no, this can't be. This man who was singing the song from Oklahoma, who welcomed this family into his house, how can he have this clan robe in his closet? No, no. It's more <laughs> interesting. And so, for everybody out there that's listening that hasn't seen the show, I'm not sure how you've listened this far, but if you haven't, go back and watch it. It is remarkable. Regina King is remarkable in it. Regina, thanks so much for Thank talking you. to us today. Good luck. With the rest of this, stay healthy, stay safe, wash your hands. (laughs) Yes, wash your hands, wash your hands. hands. (laughs) And hopefully we will be talking soon. You take good care. All right. You too, Sarah. Thank you. Next up, I was delighted to speak to Jean Smart, goddess extraordinaire and a supporting actress in Watchmen. She played Agent Lori Blake in a hilarious performance, very funny and badass. She talked to me about several things, including one, the large blue phallus that her character carries around with her in a briefcase, and two, that amazing trapdoor scene she had with Frances Fisher. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So I was just re-watching this uh, season of Watchmen, which was so great. And I know just to start off, you weren't super familiar with the source material, but you did get a crash course. I did. As a performer, do you prefer, are you somebody who likes to do a ton of research or work with just what's on the page? How do you work? I'd, I I think the, the script has to be your guide. I mean, obviously it's great to do research, but if it starts really conflicting with what has been written, then it's not helpful. So, cause the script has to be your guide. 
but definitely the research helps and helped because I mean, I needed to know some, what some of the relationships were because I didn't have a clue, you know? Well, right. And, you know, certainly it seems like Lori has a lot of issues with her past. Yeah. She does. She has a lot of issues. Could have stopped right there. (laughs) Period. It's funny because, you know, I watch a lot of TV. That's my job. And I know that when you show up on screen, whether it's a drama or a comedy, that there's going to be some comedic elements because like you don't hire Gene <laughs> Smart if you don't want some funny. And so I guess my question is, do you prefer playing characters who have that humor no matter what the genre of the show is? Well, that's always fun. And that certainly was a huge attraction uh, to, to play Lori. You know, I was trying to think back to Fargo. Yeah. My character, Floyd, didn't have much of a sense of humor. <laughs> I'm sure she kind of did have a little rise yeah. sense of humor, you know. Uh, yeah, no, it is fun. I mean, I, I, I guess that's the part of me that shows up in characters. Um, it's interesting because the next show I'm doing, I play a stand-up comic. Oh, which show is that? It's, it's going to be called Hacks okay. on, H- on HBO. And I told... I told the producers when I met them, I said, you, I said, you have no way of knowing this. I said, but when I was much younger, I wanted to be a stand-up comic. Really? When I was in middle school, I, I idolized uh, Phyllis Diller. <laughs> You're too young. You probably didn't know who she no, is. No, I know who but, she is, of course. <laughs> but um, so that's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. That is great. You know, Lori, she comes in and she's just like all business and you, you intimidating, but then First, like Petey stands up to her a little bit oh, on the yeah. plane ride. And she seems it's uh, such a good scene. And she really does. You can see her, you know, in your performance, you can kind of see her change in terms of like, it's almost like she responds. She respects it when people show a little backbone. Exactly. Exactly. And then Angela gets her goat sometimes too. She likes to think that she's in charge, but I do think you're right that she kind of doesn't like it, but kind of likes it when there's someone else to hit the tennis ball back. Yeah. You know, and Dustin Ingram, I, I can't tell you, I had so much fun working with him who played agent Petey. I mean, he is just delightful. And plus he was a walking encyclopedia about Watchmen. If I had any questions, I would text him late at night. I go, well, now what was the thing about the thing and the who and the how? And he'd give me like, <laughs> he'd give me like you know, a five page uh, rundown of what it was. It was awesome. Yeah. And he's so much fun. And so just like Petey, he knew a lot about, yeah. history oh god yes yeah that's amazing right. and of course you mentioned there's of course then that scene in the mausoleum with angela yeah. where you know there it's this intense showdown and angela just gives it back to her with ooh, and you you have this incredible split second reaction like an extra long blink like i want to hear about <laughs> filming that scene and how you you sort of got that dynamic going in that in that exchange so much of it was on the page. I have to give such credit to Damon and all the writers because it just seemed very clear to me what it, what it should be. Yeah. That, that's probably the one time we see someone really set her back on her heels a little. She didn't see that coming at all. And so you think of oh, this is going to be a fun relationship. You know, one of the things I remember about that night was how cold it was. I didn't think I was going to survive. It was so cold. Oh, cause it, you were oh, shooting outside. My God, that cemetery was so cold. And that was Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, I, I did Fargo in Canada. I was never that cold. Did it take a long time to, like, did you do different takes of that sort of the ooh moment and all of that? Or was that something that you hit um, pretty pretty quickly? I think, I think we just did it 
well, I mean, everybody was was miserable, so I don't think we did copious amounts of takes. Of <laughs> Regina was so honest in that scene. Yeah. And seeing her come up out of that hole with those goggles on was one of the greatest shots. <laughs> and it is so great, you know, in this whole season, you know, t- there are scenes where it's you and Hong Chow and Regina King in a scene together. And just watching as a fan, it's like, look at this trio of badass actresses getting <laughs> to be in a scene together. Do you feel like, you know, not just with this show, but just in general, do you feel like it's a good time for actresses on TV? It feels like a particularly I, I, I good do. time. I do. I, I feel uh, grateful. You know, every once in a while I get really petty and I think, you know, where was this, you know, 25 years ago when I, you know, <laughs> when I looked better and I was younger. And, but no, I'm, I'm, I never take any of this wonderful work that I've been offered for granted. I, I know this may seem like uh, very laser focused, but I'm very obsessed with your incredible line reading of the line, tell Sister Knight about my trauma. Um, it's just such a oh. good line reading. <laughs> Uh, you're in the car with PD, and you say it to, and you say it to uh, to PD because you know she's trying to figure out why you, you were a masked vigilante at some point. Um, and uh, like you, it's just such a natural. Or one of the things that makes your character so funny is even when she's just being totally sort of you know quote unquote serious. Like there's just that little edge of sarcasm or humor under there. Um, do you remember sort of shooting that car ride scene and what? Uh, what do you remember about that? That was one scene that I that I had questions or doubts about, you know, because it's obvious that she is sort of almost being sarcastic in the sense that, and I totally understand this, but I mean, whenever she's uncomfortable, she she tries to sort of make it seem like a joke, and she doesn't want to talk about it. So she's got this perfect person in the back seat. So she sort of acts like she's halfway serious, halfway kidding, so that I accuse my husband of doing this all the time. I said, you'll say something, and then depending on my reaction, you'll decide whether or not you were serious. Right, So if I get mad, you'll say, I was just kidding, you know, but if I don't get mad, then you'll pretend that you were serious, you know, and I think that she, she does that. It's sort of like she'll throw something out there and not take responsibility kind of. Yeah, no, she she had so many issues with her past and with her mother and all of that that she had to kind of act like she didn't really care. Right. You know. So putting that extra emphasis on trauma the way she said Exactly. It. Exactly. It's like she's sneering at it. Yeah. So you've been asked a lot about this, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't oh, ask you about the as I refer to it, the big blue elephant in the room. Right? Am I right? You are correct. <laughs> and I mean, that's a pretty good name for it. Uh, I know that you, uh, you've talked about how you first saw that in the script and like, what, uh, did, did you have a conversation with Damon after that or what, how did you guys talk about this? Yes, because when he offered me the job, he sent me that first episode, Lori's first episode. I'm reading just absolutely in heaven. And then I get to that scene. I go, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. Oh, geez, this was so good. I was so ready to say yes. Anyway, I finished the script. I spoke to him on the phone and I said, so what's up with that? And he said, oh, don't worry, don't worry. I said, look, you know, I don't want to embarrass my children or traumatize them. So... 
just have to know what you've got in mind. And he said, no, no, no. I said, is this going to be something that is a recurring thing in the show? He said, no, 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 no. So that was as long as it was a one and done. It, it was the idea of one of the writers, one of the female writers. And she really? kind of threw it out there in the writer's room as a joke. And Damon went, okay, let's do it. And so she was sort of like, oh, okay. And um, he ended up, after the show wrapped, presenting it to her in a gift box. She was like, oh my God. Hysterical. That is amazing. Was that a hard scene to get through without laughing? Well, I thought, oh my God, what is the crew thinking? You know, because they're mostly guys and you're sort of right. like trying to, and because it, it was kind of a serious scene and I just, yeah, and there's, you know, it's about loneliness, but then there's this giant... Yeah, yeah. there's loneliness, there's loneliness. I mean, that looked painful. I mean, I just, That's all I can think. I was like, oh my God. Seriously? Um, and there's another great scene. I think it's in the final episode or the penultimate one. Um, Blake goes to see Jane Crawford. Yes. And this scene is so amazing. Like you and Frances Fisher, Blake's figured it all out. She's, you know, laying out the whole plan to uh, to Jane. And then it's this tense, intense scene. And then all of a sudden the trap door malfunctions and it goes to like just ridiculous uh, uh, physical comedy. Like how do you... How do you balance those tones like in one scene? You know what? I thought this is up to Damon to figure out how to make this, you know, and, and the director had to make this work. But no, we had a great time. It, it was just hysterical. And the crew did such an amazing job of, of rigging my chair and everything. But it was perfect because then, you know, Lori makes a joke about it later. You yeah. know, saying, really? A trap door? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like it was, again, a Three Stooges routine. But, um, you know, it was so funny because Frances and I are friends and we were having dinner with a bunch of friends and she wanted to put something on her Instagram. So she made me sit in the restaurant and she, she pretended she had like the remote and she made me like collapse in my chair and she put this online. I was like, oh God, whatever, fine. Just <laughs> So... I mean, I, I mean, yeah, no, I actually, I think I did it to her or something and she, her feet went up in the air and uh, I don't remember. It was just crazy. <laughs> and how was the chair rigged? Like, I assume you just fell like kind of. Yes. They, they short had distance. locks under it and they would had guys on either side and they just yanked them. <laughs> it's such a great scene. Then, of course, then there's the moment in the finale where Lori's held captive and Keen, uh, Josh Wilk, who's so amazing, he's stripping stripping down to his underwear, revealing his big plant, and then she just takes the air out of him with, uh, you look stupid in those panties. I love that. I love that. (laughs) I mean, how do you get through a scene like that without laughing? That's one thing. That's one thing I'm good at is not, not, not cracking up. On, st- really? on stage or on camera. I'm good. Were other people having trouble, though? Because, I mean, it's just so hilarious. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember it was. I always say he had guts for doing that, except that he looked amazing. So I guess of course. if you have a body like that, it doesn't take guts to, to strip down. She never lets anyone feel like they're in control. Oh, no, never. See, that, that part of her I don't identify with at all. I mean, I can identify with making a joke in an uncomfortable situation because I've always kind of done that. But I, I, I don't understand where they say, you know, I'm never going to get hurt like that again. I'm never going to let anybody right. take advantage of me again like that. 
you know, as you mentioned, it's going to be a one season show, a limited series. It seemed like that was up in the air for a bit. And I'm just wondering, did you find out from Damon directly or just reading it? Or how did that? uh... Um, I I kind of knew from from speaking to him at the end of the season. Some of us were out to dinner one night and I just came out and asked him. He said, I can tell you this. If there's a second season that Laurie will be a big part of it. He says, that's all I can tell you. And I said, okay, I'll settle for that. And I I know that it it was such a huge decision for him making to make the show in the first place. So I think he put everything into that. Well, and it sounds like, um, so you have hacks coming up. Have you shot any of that or not yet? No, no, no. Um, Unfortunately, everything's on hold. And you also have mayor of East town with Kate Winslet. Yes. Yes. I just adore her. She, she, she's been sending me the funniest videos. Yeah. It's a really great script. Very dark. She plays a very, very blue collar cop in Philadelphia who's investigating a, uh, this disappearance of these two young women and I play her mother and I've just moved in with her and we do not get along at all. Oh, wow. <laughs> her son, my, my grandson committed suicide oh. and he was a drug addict and he left Mara with his little boy. And then I also saw you're playing the president in a Melissa McCarthy <laughs> movie. Yes. Oh, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was actually supposed to come out in December, but I don't know. We'll have a lot of good Gene Smart to look forward oh, to when all this is over. Really sick of me. I don't know. I'm going to have to take a break. But um, I don't think so. Um, um, I also have to retroactively say how much I loved you in Dirty John season oh, one. Oh, thank you. Um, I loved that. I mean, it's such a good season, but just yeah. that's a tough character. You know, Deborah's mom, who's so forgiving to a fault. Yeah, it's really interesting. I did not meet her. But I, I, I read a lot about her and, you know, it, people didn't understand why she, how she could do the things or have the attitudes she had in the relationships. But yeah, anyone who has lost a child, I, I forgive them anything. I, I would never criticize anybody yeah. for any way they dealt with that. Yeah. You know, when I told, when I told my little girl I was playing the president and she said, you're playing Trump? <laughs> No. <laughs> she was horrified. Well, thank you so much for You're taking welcome. the time to talk to me. It's been really great. Thanks a lot. And please stay healthy and, and sane. Um, you too. You too. I'm doing <laughs> okay. a lot of cooking and gardening. Yes, good. Good. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, only here at the Awardists do we have dildos and superheroes. And I, I, I'd I, like to say, Kristen, that we have it all, don't we? Yeah, I mean, look, maybe we should make that part of our tagline. Come for the dildos. <laughs> Stay for the Emmy analysis. Exactly. All right, we're going to have to work on that. Next week, we'll be talking to Darcy Carden and Manny Jacinto from The Good Place and discussing some of the other amazing comedy performers from this year. You will not want to miss it. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of The Awardist. And if you like what you hear, give us a rating and subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to join the conversation, tweet at us. I'm at Kristen G. Baldwin, and you can find Sarah at Sarah A. Rodman. The Awardist isn't just a podcast. You can also find us across EW platforms on EW.com, in the magazine, and on social media, too. 
So if you want to binge more of The Awardist, you know where to find it. Until then, we'll be on the couch. The Awardist is produced by EW in partnership with Pod People. 